everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. So three and a half years ago, I got, uh, I got the dreaded call as parents we never hoped we'd get. It was about four in the morning. And uh, a guy I didn't know asked if this was Jeff Jarvis he was speaking to. And I remember saying, yes, he had a different accent. He said his name, which didn't mean anything to me. He said, I'm in New Zealand right now. And uh, your son has had a really bad accident. You know, it's amazing how you can hear something that, like you can go from dead asleep and someone can say one line and every ounce of muscle in your body just goes into constriction. Kathy was laying beside me, and she popped up. I think she popped up when I said, is he okay? Is he alive? Like, he said, uh, he's, he's going to be airlifted to a hospital, to a, a, to a larger city where they're, they're going to have to do surgery. He says, I don't know anything more than that, but we will keep you updated. He says, you'll hear from someone shortly. I remember in that moment just getting off the phone and not just being numb my heart was like pounding out of my chest. And Kathy says, what, like, what happened? And I'm, I'm almost like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, we, we don't, we, uh, apparently Carter's had a really bad accident. Carter was down in New Zealand uh, shooting this, and I've mentioned this before, shooting this commercial as a stunt jumper for this visa commercial. And he crashed off a massive jump. And, and so anyways, we always knew it could possibly happen. So we sat there waiting for the phone to ring. You want to talk about a couple hours, it felt like an eternity. I got up, went downstairs, made some coffee, and it was like, oh my God.
So then we got the call from the surgeon. I don't even remember now how much later that was. It felt like hours and hours. But he said, your son's about to arrive. Chopper's only within minutes. But he's had a massive spleen injury. And he's been bleeding internally for a long... We're going to need major blood transfusions. Can we ask for your permission? Can we... Uh, like, yeah, absolutely. Is he going to be okay? And he's, he says, sir, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't tell you. I haven't seen him yet. We're just, we're just having the information relayed to us. We're all prepared. We're, he's coming to a big hospital. I didn't even know where in New Zealand. Next thing you know, so I hung up with him. And then about an hour later, um, someone from Visa called and said, you need to come. One of you needs to come. I'm like, oh my God, is he? They said, we don't know. But we're, uh, we'll, have, we'll book your plane ticket. We'll have it sent to you by email. There'll be a car to pick you up right away. Just stay tuned and start packing. Which one is coming? I looked at Kathy and I'm like, Kathy's work was a lot less flexible, so I said, all right, um, I'll I'll go, put me down. I I got into the airport, and I remember sitting in that terminal, and just looking around and seeing people laughing and carefree and and just feeling like, you know, you don't know what to feel. You just ban it. And my head is just all over the map. I'm wondering what news I'm going to get when I get there. Desperate for an update. Desperate to someone tell me he's okay. You know, fear is a powerful emotion, isn't it? Oh, it can make us feel all kinds of things when life goes sideways. Something happens. I want to explore this this morning. This last year has given you lots of perhaps little moments of panic and fear and anxiety, stress. These are all kind of little aspects of fear. And they, they do things to us. I want to explore how the fear that people are fear, fearing, that the, they're feeling around us, how it interacts with our own spirituality. Can you think of fear that you've felt? Kind of relationship you have with fear. You know what's strange is, I've felt fear. I just told you, so I just like, ah, but if I look at my life, I'm not a person that's really prone to fear. Uh, certain kinds of fear. I'm not, I'm not a worrier. You know, I, my parents divorced when I was in about grade two. Dad left, mom, mom had to get out working, and so as kids, we, were kinda la- we became latchkey kids right away. So we would come home for lunch, door would always be unlocked, go in, make ourselves lunch, get ready, head back to school, Come home after work. Mom was working as a realtor, so there was sometimes she'd be on the phone with us saying, hey, look it, I'm going to be a lot longer. 
I need you guys to make supper. Here's what I have in the fridge, blah, blah, blah. Okay, mom. My mom didn't worry. My mom wasn't constantly saying, hey, hey, be really careful. Watch. No, my mom wasn't prone that way either. I remember one time, grade eight, I'm out. I'm down in Washington for a basketball camp. I took the Greyhound bus in grade eight, all the way back from Seattle, Washington to Calgary. Over 24 hours on bus rides, in and out of small towns, sitting next to countless strangers at every stop. Not even a worry. This has created problems for Kathy and I. And though she had a, a quality upbringing, there were many times in her upbringing where she felt very unsafe. She felt unsafe numerous times at school. Oh, in the schoolyard, she's had stories. She's felt unsafe at work at times. Even as a grown adult, in the places where she was staying, there was a threat. And that has colored her. I remember early on in our marriage, uh, she would lean over to me, just as we're crawling into bed. And she'd say, Hey, honey, are the doors locked? Well, I didn't know. And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. And I remember at the time her saying, oh, good. And then she'd roll over and go to sleep. But then one time she came down and noticed they weren't locked, that they hadn't been locked all night. And I remember the conversation We'll call it a conversation. <laughs> she was livid with me. She said, you told me they were locked. I said, I, I, I was sure they were. She was, how could you say that, not knowing for sure? And I'm looking at her going, chill out. It's no big deal. And she's looking at me going, how dare you say it's no big deal? In those moments, I could see the anxiety and the stress, the fear. And I'm looking at her going, you got an issue. That's your problem. you got to f- figure that stuff out. That didn't go so well. You ever had that? Disconnect? I... Uh, there have been numerous times where I've been disconnected from people's fears. I remember one time I was on the airplane with Kelly. Actually, he was a guy that we started the church with. He was a close friend of mine. We're going to Chicago. We're in this plane, getting ready to leave. We're on the tarmac. The, the engines start, start going up. You know, it's, we're getting ready to fly. And I hear this hissing sound. I'm like, that is a weird noise. And I'm looking around thinking, is that coming through a vent? That doesn't sound healthy. I look over, and there's Kelly, white-knuckling his armrests. And I'm looking at him going, what are you doing? He told me to... <laughs> I won't tell you what he did. told me to say, but, but he, he was like, shut up. And he is like this. 
I'm like, that is an annoying sound. I started actually kind of laughing. I couldn't help but laughing at him. And he's just staring straight ahead like this as we're getting ready to... <laughs> I, I couldn't take him seriously. I was just like, you, you got issues, pal. Like, even for weeks after that, I love telling that story. I said, you wouldn't believe the hisser here, man. He's got... There have been times I've struggled to identify with other people's fear. And you know, it's, it's something when you actually sit down and you start talking to someone and they start telling their fear stories and they start describing what's going on inside. There's nothing funny about them. Not one bit. I was talking with Gregory last week. Yeah, we're talking about fear and sharing some of my fear stories and Gregory uh, began to share one of his. And um, I, in fact, I thought, Gregory, you, I would, I wondered, I asked you, would you be one to just share a little bit of that on Sunday? Because you hear, (laughs) yeah, you you didn't want to just tell the story, but maybe you could just tell us what was going on in that moment. That season. Well, yeah, you asked me about a song because you wanted a song that kind of related to fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how that's it started. This song, I was racking my brain because I don't, we don't do a lot of songs that have like that fear emotion attached to it. So um, Kara actually reminded me of this song and it kind of brought me right back to a really dark period in my life where I felt very alone um, and I had made some decisions that I couldn't go back from and it kind of left me out on a limb. So my fear was focused around, I'm going to lose the house, I'm going to lose my job, and fear for my kids. So being a little vague with that, that's kind of what I was struggling. What, what, what was it doing to you, the fear? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I just feel like, felt like I didn't have anybody that I could confide in and nobody that I could relate to in that moment. Just the people that I had surrounded myself in that season of my life, there's no way in hell I was going to go talk to them about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Affecting sleep? Was it it just you'd feel nervous? I I remember sitting at my desk trying to work and I had just started my business and so it was was crippling. (gasps) Like, not figuratively speaking, like literally crippling. Paralyzed. Where I would just like be paralyzed sitting at my desk, not able to do anything. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, as we were talking about this, you were saying there is a song. And I was going, really? There's a, uh, what, was, what was it about the song you said? Well, may, maybe you could describe yeah, well, why I, that song came up in yeah. the context of this. Yeah, and, the, and when you listen to the song, it definitely has tones of fear in it, but it's got other things in the song too that kind of, maybe you could interpret it as the light at the end of the tunnel or that somebody's there to kind of pull you out of it. Um, And I didn't resonate with that part of the song, but when I heard that song, I had also was going through a major uh, faith crisis as well. And so, you know, raised in a Christian home, it was like you're always kind of told, oh, well, God's going to rescue you. You know, God will be there in your darkest times. And I didn't experience that. 
So this song, when I heard that, sorry, my mic just went out. Oh, it's back. Um, when I heard those words in this song, that also had a connotation of fear to it because I was like, I don't know what I believe anymore. So like this, this God who's going to rescue me in this dark time that didn't exist for me anymore. I couldn't cling on to that anymore like I could have in the past. So yeah. that when I, when I sang or when I listened to the song and the song just kind of fed me in that time. I was wrestling with all of that as well wow. in there too. So. I, I asked you guys if you would sing it this morning. So I'm going to ask you to do that. And yeah, yeah maybe uh, as they are, you can think about your own fear stories. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you, Ben. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing imagining that there are people in our lives who are feeling the anxiety, the fear, the panic of moments that are going on. And some of us are looking at them thinking, figure it out. And there's these prayers in those moments that get offered up going, oh, geez, if only I had someone, someone that could help me in this moment. I think about the times when Kathy was feeling this way. I'm just like, oh, I was the opposite. I was, I was the opposite person of being able to come in and help regulate her and bring her through that moment. I guess that's what I'm wrestling with right now is how, how can we be the kind of person who could be there to help someone feel all right in these moments? Because I think we've all had someone like that, haven't we? Or we've witnessed when someone in a minute of panic or, or, or fear has been able to say something, has been able to come in and go, hey, hey, hey shh, shh, you okay? What do you need? Hey, it's all right, come here. He's been able to bring us there. We've watched it. I was talking with Carmen McNamara this week. Talking about this concept, she says, I've had someone like that. I said, Really? She said, It was a nurse. Really? She said, I was in a medical office. Carmen's had panic attacks throughout her life. She got in there, she was getting the flu shot. And like minutes before she was to get her injection, something in her head started saying, You could have an allergic reaction to this. She said, You know, it's. In, in, I, I can't tell my mind to stop thinking that. It just started worrying, started fear. And she said, all of a sudden, I get the injection and my mind just starts freaking. And she said, I start getting tunnel vision. I'm right in the medical office. I, I go to sit down thinking, I, I, and she said, next thing you know, I am in full-blown panic. She said, I'm on the floor in this fetal position. She said, this nurse got right down on the floor right in her ears and said excuse me ma'am I'm a nurse and I want to help you and she, she's just she says can I just ask you what's happening she said I was surprised in that moment that I could even string out a word or a, a sentence she said I think I'm having an allergic reaction she said okay okay I'm going to check I'm going to check for you. Can I look at your arms? Can I look at the back of your neck? She said every muscle in her body is just quivering. She, and this nurse, 
pulls up her, her sleeves. She looks down her neck and she says, ma'am, she said, I can't see one hive on your body. That would be a signal something's going on. I don't think it's an allergic reaction. Now she said, I'm in this state. But she said, just hearing that word, or just hearing her say that, she said, I felt something go, oh. And then she said, I'm not leaving you. I'm staying right here. We're going to come. Do you have someone we can call? She said, yeah, my husband, Jim. She said, okay, I'm going to call him. Stay. I'm right here. She said that woman lifted me out in that moment with such, just, it was incredible. I heard that story. I'm going, ah. I want to do that. I don't want to be looking at my wife going, frack, what's your, right? I want to be going, oh, wait, wait, wait. Now, in a perfect world, I would feel the fear Kathy's feeling. In the middle, or as we're going to bed and she says, are the doors locked? I would feel the level of insecurity she's feeling. And I'd go, I'm on it. I'm just going to double check, all right? Don't worry, I'm going to double check right now. There are times when she was expecting the boys to arrive. They'd be out one night. She, they told her, we'll be home by midnight. Midnight rolls around, and then 12.30, and Kathy is hold, clutching her phone. Waiting for the call, texting. In those moments when I'm saying, would you just go to sleep? They're fine. They're big boys. In a perfect world, I would feel this the sense of anxiety, the stress she's feeling. I'd say, hey, 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 relax. I'm going to call. I know where they are. I'll get a hold of a friend. I wouldn't be saying, you're wasting your sleep. In a perfect world, I would feel it, but I don't. So what do you do? What do you do when you're looking in the eyes of someone who's feeling something you don't feel? How do you be that nurse? How do you be that person? We've been thinking about this. And if you've been around these last few weeks, you know we've been talking. How, how can we experience the spirituality of emotion through someone with someone else? So the theory is, if you could connect with your own fears in those moments, you could, you could feel, even if it's not the same kind of fear, but you could feel what that fear is doing, you could then look at them in the eyes and take it seriously. I've been thinking a lot about that because I'm going, man, this has made problems for Kathy and I for so long. It's made problems for me with a lot of different people who feel anxiety and fear and stress. So I've been thinking through my own fear stories. Thinking, if I could go back and remember that four o'clock phone call, just the feeling. But I, I've been thinking about that. I'm going, well, anytime I hear of someone who just got bad news, I was talking to someone the other day, and they, got, they had just done a battery of tests, medical tests, and all of a sudden, it was like almost instantly the doctor saying, we need you in now. And I remember them telling me that they have to go in right away. And I've seen the panic. It was instant how I could go, oh, oh, 
I know the feeling of that phone call. You know how to do this. It's just a matter of accessing the story, accessing the emotion. Do you have a fear story? Do you have something that, that, is, that is on speed dial? In fact, I want to do something this morning. I, w- I want to try something. I want you to access your own fears. I think as I've been talking this morning, chances are it's led you into your own, perhaps, story. But in order to get there, you need to process it. Even as I was telling the story of Carter and what happened there, something happens to me. Like it just, it's crazy what it does to me. But sometimes it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's not that serious. Sometimes it's different. So I've been racking my brain. One time, Kathy and I were going to a wedding. We went to the wedding. We came home. We had a bunch of things planned, and then we were going to go to the reception. I had been asked to say the prayer at the reception. That's the obligatory thing they do for guys like me at weddings. And, and so I said, yes, I'll be there. I'll pray for the dinner. We get busy. I get confused about the time of the reception. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me, we are going to be extremely late to this reception. I am in my vehicle, and I am like this, going, Kathy, Kathy, come, come. we got to go now. We gotta, all the way, we had about a 25-minute drive to the reception. It was like the worst slurpy brain freeze in my head, imagining what's going to happen when we get there and how stupid we're going to look. And the, the disappointment in that couple's eyes as they're sitting there going, is Jeff around? Everyone's hungry. Oh, it was just pain. This is another kind of fear story inside of me that I've just been thinking about. I'm going, is that the kind of pain that Kathy feels when she's looking at me going, please don't say that. Do you have a fear story? We're going to take a moment. If you have something inside of you right now that you can access, chapter in your life. I got thinking about the different kinds of stories out there. Maybe it was a round of layoffs that your work just announced. Oof. Remember one woman telling me that she was suspicious that her husband was about to have an, or was having an affair and seeing the fear in her eyes. A medical diagnosis, maybe something happened to your kid. Maybe you got stranded somewhere. I invite you to go into your story right now and I'm just going to help you process for a couple minutes where that takes you. This might, it might not feel good or it might make you stir up something inside you. It's okay. It's important that we access this thing. So go ahead. Let's do this. If you can think of that moment or a moment, I want you to imagine right now or just go back and think about who you were with at that time. Who was there? Were you talking to someone on the phone? Was someone in the room with you? What was, what were you, 
What were you most afraid could happen? Can you remember the thoughts that were going through your mind at that time? Do you remember what was going on in your body? What you're feeling? Were you, were you feeling like you're paralyzed, like Gregory? Did you get angry? Were you just shutting down? What was happening to your muscles? Was there tunnel vision? Did you start to sweat? Did you go cold? What was your breathing doing? The rapid, shallow breaths. What about the secondary emotions? Was there panic? Was there just extreme anger? Did you start crying? remember what you might have said, what you might have screamed. Again, what were you afraid most would happen? Let's just uh, pull up now. Could you get there? Do you have a story? Could you feel it again? Could you let yourself feel it again? I know I've talked to some people that go, I don't go there. Probably for you, it's most important that you go there. Because so often we have these emotions that are left unprocessed and they cause problems. So what I just did is a healthy thing. I just want you for a second, just take some deep breaths, can you? Sometimes they say, sometimes we've got to communicate to our body, hey, hey, we're not under threat now. It's all over. It's done. We're okay. Big deep breaths. What would happen? If you could have that memory handy or memories like it, if you had a few different ones so that someone in some moment is ex experiencing what you would call fear, deep anxiety, stress, you could look at them and with new eyes feel what they're feeling. They call this cognitive empathy. And it is powerful. It's exactly what that nurse did. Tone. The way that they seriously take whatever it is you're feeling. And they go, oh, whoa, whoa, we got something here. Okay, okay. And they help regulate. Some, some just intuit. When they feel it, some will just reach out and say, come here, come here. And just hug. 
some people are able to look at someone and crack a joke and all of a sudden pull them out of it. There's different strategies that happen in the middle of this, but it starts with our ability to just feel it. A couple months ago, my son called me out of the blue. We were in the middle of this reno thing and I was covered in dust. My phone's ringing and I'm like, ah, hello? And I could tell by the tone of his voice, he was not well. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, dad, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, are you, are you in danger? He's like, I don't know. I'm just, he was in the middle of a panic attack. First one he's ever had. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I said, are you driving? You sound like you're in your car. He says, I pulled over. I don't, and I'm like, shh, shh, it's okay. It's okay, I just, I would just want you to breathe. Just want, I've never dealt with a panic attack. I didn't have a clue what he was feeling. But for some reason in that moment, I, I, I just tried to match with him. You, know, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a rocket science, scientist. You just got to feel. Within a few, I said, hey, just breathe with me. Just say some d- deep breaths. What's going on around you? What are you seeing? I, 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 I was just making stuff up. But I knew this. I was taking it seriously. And before long, he's like, I think I'm okay. I said, keep, keep breathing. Let's just stay on the phone for a bit. I just remember him saying, thanks, Dad. Thank you. I'm just like, oh, you want to take water to your world this week? Sometimes it's just picking up on those emotions and being able to feel it. Would you be willing to do that this week? Connect to your fear story. Have a few of them handy. I use that anxious about being late one. I've been processing that a lot because that's one that seems to match the intensity of some of the stuff that's happening around my house. Kathy's like, (laughs) I'm like, ah, 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 I know that feeling. Oh, geez. Would you be willing to do your work this week? Get them on speed dial. Become these people who have cognitive empathy in spades. Regulating. Here's someone on the phone. Oh man, right now there is fear everywhere. You will have a million opportunities if you look for them. I hope you will this week. I hope you will. Okay, that's all I got. Why don't you have a great week, huh? Let's bring the fear. Let's bring the fear down. Let's not run from it. Let's face it, but let's bring it down this week. Have a great week, everyone. Look at next week. It's the last one of our Spirituality of Emotion series, Vince is talking about sadness. Some of you don't like sadness. Some of you hate it. Some of you love it. I kind of like sadness. I can't wait for this one. I, I can't figure that out. I love music that makes me sad. Okay, anyways, it's going to be good. We're, we're, we're going to explore the sadness. Vince is going to take that one away. So hope you'll join us back here next week. Have a great week.